Welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host, and today is the 19th of November 2021. And with us, we have got Paul Lamphere with us. Hi, Paul. Hi, Michelle. Thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's absolutely uh, our pleasure as well. And keen to get you on because um, I'll just do, in fact, I'll just do a little intro first so people got an idea a bit about your background. So you obtained a law, a first class law degree and started professional life as a barrister uh, and then later qualified as a solicitor practicing commercial banking and finance litigation for 10 years, both in London and Leeds for two of the world's leading law firms. And all this before leading a demanding qualification programme for prospective barristers, starting a family, becoming an award-winning property entrepreneur, investor, developer, and multiple business owner. So uh, a bit of background about yourself there. Always a busy guy. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think you have... Uh, you know your journey is quite unique because of how you you know you've scaled up you've worked on different elements of the property businesses and then you know we're all with the intention of the lifestyle design um, which I think is is not too common I think a lot of people you know that they are really focused on the deals and it's the next deal the next deal the next deal and that's fine if you love the deal um, but what I really appreciate about you and your journey is actually the focus has always been around the lifestyle design and, uh, you know, the big why about why we're doing this and actually taking into account not just property, but uh, the macroeconomics, if you like, of, of everything else that is feeding into property. And, you know, your portfolio is diversified, not just within property, but within other industries as well. So. Uh, without further ado let me um you know let's let's start with kind of where do you where do you see this year has gone on that's like a very big global question but what are your thoughts on this year and then we'll look at kind of moving forward into 2022 as well yeah definitely very very happy to do that and um uh, I, I really appreciate the very kind, kind introduction. I'm sure my my mum enjoys that introduction as well. I suppose uh, what's what's the reality of that is that I wanted to be genuinely wanted to be the guitarist in something like Metallica, um, but that didn't quite work out. So I had to have a plan B. Plan B was law, but you know I've got no complaints. It served me really, really well. Um, in terms of the context of the discussion today, I mean it's, it's probably helpful as you rightly did at the outset, to date, date stamp it. So here we are kind of getting to the, towards the latter part of 2021. And, um, you know, what a time to be alive. I mean, you can genuinely say, I think, that this is one of the most exciting, interesting, fascinating times in all of living history to be alive. And I think we're very blessed, you know, that we're, we're getting to see this unfold. I appreciate not all of it has gone to plan for, for, for all of us, um, but what a time to be alive. So I think that's the context. Um, so I think, you know, in our, in our discussions, I think we've talked about, you know, what's 21, 2021 all be, been about? Because I think that'll help us, that'll inform us as to if we gaze into our crystal balls, what 2022 and beyond might be. But so 2021, um, I don't really like this as an expression, but I suppose it's a reality. You know, there's been winners and losers, haven't there? And if we confine this for a moment to the property space, we have very sadly seen um, 
re, you know, high profile developers fail, you know, take take their investors with them. Very tragic, you know, and you know, there's a human consequence to all of that. We can't can't deny or, or, or diminish that. We've seen really high profile businesses not go the distance, you know, uh, businesses which, you know, we've got a lot of admiration for, uh, you know, just were so damaged by COVID that they couldn't uh, um, they couldn't go, go the full distance. And we've seen really, you know, solid businesses have to be sold at, you know, eye-watering discounts after people have put in a lot of life and energy into them. So I suppose that would, you know, if we, that's the bad news, isn't it? You know, that's the, that's the, the bad news. Um, and then we have to kind of, I suppose, drill out to the context that we're in. And um, there was... In, in previous years, when we were kind of coming out of COVID, one of the big conversations in the kind of the macroeconomic field and amongst investors has always been, you know, is this an inflationary environment? Is this deflationary environment? And the, uh, you know, we'll all, but you don't need to go too far into YouTube to find, uh, you know, people who have been foretelling the end of the world since the beginning of time. And, you know, fair play to them. Like there's some great people in there, like Jim Rogers, one of the greatest investors of all times, one of my great heroes, written, you know, fantastic, interesting books. You know, he, he's forever telling the end of the world. But, you know, so far, the end of the world has not yet arrived. What we know, as a matter of fact, is one day he'll be right. And, you know, congratulations to him. But you don't have to wander too far to have to see a lot of doom and gloom. You don't have to wander too far to hear a narrative about deflation, you know, everything going to zero. So far, that's not happened, has it? Well, so, so, uh, like Robert Kiyosaki is another one. He's been talking about this for <clears throat> for many, many years, and um, you know, uh, and how to kind of protect yourself through property as being one of the ways to uh, you, you know to to buffer the changes or crashes that mm -hmm. may or may not come. <laughs> I guess if we could all, if we all had like a grand for every time Kiyosaki said the market was going to crash, I think. <laughs> anyway, let's not go into that too much, but. Um, so there's a lot of talk in there about a deflationary environment and elements of that are definitely going to be true. We can kind of wander into that space in a moment. But what, what are we seeing right now? We are undoubtedly in an inflationary environment. You know, even uh, the uh, government statistics prove that, you know, they, they, are, they are in black and white for us all to see that we're seeing um, inflation going up rapidly and you don't need to delve too far into the subject matter until you come to a point of view where you will hear analysts really pick apart not only the number but also the methodology used to reach that inflation number and they would say you know if you realistically want the, the real number you probably need to double it or treble it um, we'll leave that we'll leave that for them to discuss but it does look like that the inflation deflation debate has been solved for the uh, resolved in the short term, which is this is definitely an inflationary environment. And um, inflation, I'm kind of lumping into the good category in our conversation, but it, you know, full disclosure, it's not good for everybody, is it? <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, if you haven't had a year on year pay rise in excess of whatever the inflation number is, you are becoming poorer and poorer every month. If you don't happen to own assets which, um, um, at least move with inflation, then you are your wealth is being eroded. And this isn't like, you know, this isn't just an issue for, 
you know, the hardcore capitalists listening to the pod- podcast. Um, you know, it's a real issue for everybody because what is the reality? The reality is, and this is certainly true in the property space, you know, lots of people for property are, you know, former teachers, former doctors, former, you know, you know, they have done jobs and they have contributed to the well-being of, of the economy and they have been utterly productive. But what they've chosen to do is to engage in deferred gratification, which is no easy thing in this, in this world. And they have stored the energy of their labor into assets and not gone on all of those holidays, maybe not bought that car they wanted, um, maybe worked longer and harder than ideally they would have wished, but they've stored their labor in assets. They have deferred their gratification And they've done that because they are a highly responsible individual who wishes not to be a burden on the rest of the tribe, but wants to contribute to the work of the tribe and to um, look after themselves now and in the future and maybe also look after the generations that follow, which is, you know, um, a highly applaudable thing, I would personally say, but maybe that says says gives you my world view um so they're putting their their hard-earned labor into inflation be, be, beating at it, at assets and that's got to be a good thing isn't it but it's not good inflation isn't good for anyone but we it, we are here we are in, in, in we are we have inflation and we're going to have to deal with it um you know and it's now it's no longer like a niche topic for middle-aged men with you know tweed jackets and those leather arm patches that you used to get on like in, on the elbow like Jack Dorsey of Twitter tweeted not that long ago, you know, hyperinflation, you know, hi- basically hyperinflation is on the way. Um, you know, if Jack Dorsey is now tweeting it, uh, um, maybe it's something we need to pay attention to. So that's, yeah. What, what you, you know, we talk about uh, hyperinflation, inflation and the numbers. And as you say, it's easy to find on BBC, the headlines of, you know, mm. what percentage it is today. Um but for people like the people you mentioned who are, let's say, they're getting started in property, they've got a few or or even, you know, they're not, they've got 100k, 50k sitting in the bank, they're yep. not sure what to do with it. Every time they go to the bank statement and or they go online, they see that 100k sitting there, right? Yeah. So, you know, how do we... Uh, how how do we kind of explain to people about the impact and when when are people going to actually feel it and um, I suppose the answer is what does it mean what what should people do with this information um, that's a great question and I I always think that the best thing to do is to take it as quickly as possible into the real world to take everything into the real world and so to make it immediate so in different training environments you would have heard about school if you want to feel better about something you might want to disassociate from it but if you want to focus on you associate you bring it as close up to you as possible um and i suppose just a footnote before everybody starts kind of um running out the door to buy canned goods i'm not suggesting in any way we're in a hyperinflationary environment i mean that's like 50 percent inflation oh. per month you know compounding in a vertical straight line uh, so let's let's not rush out, stock up a toilet roll or canned goods. That's not what I'm talking about. Just talking about the fact that we are in an environment where we are seeing in particular asset prices, but also consumer prices, regardless of whatever data the government might give you. And so you can do a few different little exercises. So the an obvious one is if, if you do a regular journey 
um, is to fill up with petrol before you set off. And then as soon as you come back, fill up with petrol and do exactly the same thing every time you do that journey. So I, um, as Michelle will know, I'm in the throes of what appears to be like a 10 year midlife crisis. And at my, my expression of this midlife crisis is to take up surfing. So I go surfing every week without fail. Um, and um, it's to much bafflement of my uh, property peers who, you know, say to me, look, how come you take like a day off in the middle of the week? Are you, you know, what are you doing? You know, doesn't that ruin your week? And I'm like, no, this is the point, guys. The point is of all of this, that you don't work a five day week and that you put yourself first and you reward yourself for your activities and you live the life you want to live. Anyway, rant over. So I fill up with petrol every time I go, when I, where I live in Yorkshire to, to where I go in the coastline. And it, if you, I promise you, if you do that for a year, you get a lot of information and you really see in real time um, inflation in action. And um, energy prices are a crucial uh, element of inflation. But in, there's a good argument to say that they, they are the scapegoat. So it's easy to point towards energy prices and say it's all because of energy prices when it's to do with much wider issues. Another thing that you can do to get, get your head around it is to track um, certain things. So as part of my kind of inner circle mentoring group, as a it really it was only intended to be a bit of fun in a way, we track on an ongoing basis certain things. So we happen to track, track um, the price of gold, um, the price of crypto, so particularly Bitcoin, a, a particular Rolex, the price of a particular Rolex watch because it's a collectible. And I've added to that fairly recently a camper van, um, just because it is only intended to be a bit of fun, isn't it? And I you know, happen to like camper vans. Um, and it is, you know, astonishing to see what's happened to the prices of those things. Now, there's been a, you know, there's been some disappointments in there. Uh, so, you know, some of the gold bugs, um, you know, I think their life is one of utter frustration because all of the data, all of the common sense says that gold should be going to the moon. Um, and it's not, you know, it had its it had its heyday uh, a previous summer. Goldman Sachs, I think, helped it get there, got there. But I think when they'd made their money, they, pr they pressed the sell button and basically pretty much wiped out the gold market, uh, you know, ever since. And hopefully it's finding its feet one day. But, um, like, you know, like, like, like this less hazard a guess. I mean, Michelle, what do you think the, the re return on the Bitcoin has been since we set up the exercise as a bit of fun? Well, uh, well, it's, it's gone up and then gone, like, shot right down again, hasn't it? So, yeah. uh, to be honest, I don't know where it's up to at the moment, but... If you had to guess... Like, and, and, and do it in terms of how many times has it flipped? So 3x, 6x or 9x? Thank you for the options there. I'm going to go for 6x. Well, you're not miles off the mark, but it's actually about 9x. At the time of this, it's about 9x, just as a bit of an observation. Gold's gone up, gold's down, gone up, it's gone down, but it's heading in the right direction. And the collectible watch has gone up in value by, by a, a factor of about 50%, so 50% return on investment and what's the the odd one in the mix the camper van um and what's odd about the camper van is that the camper van which now has let's say eighty thousand miles on it um now you could sell in the open market for more than it was purchased brand new you know delivered purpose-built 
from Germany. None of that makes sense. On one view, none of that can possibly make sense. But this is the world that we live in. So um, if someone tells you there isn't inflation, you know, I think, uh, or, you know, if they say it's transitory, which is the terminology that's coming out of the States, you probably know it's not true. Okay, right. So, um, so then what do people do then? So it's, you know, the, these kind of macro trends and when what's going on in the world are filtering down through us and we're kind of sensing that we're, you know, the money's not going as far as it was a couple of yeah. years ago. Um, what does that mean then? What, what should we do about it? Yeah, definitely. So um, <coughs> I think it's obviously useful to track in your own personal way. So, I mean, to have, um, to not be willfully blind and to see what's going on um, in your bank account, to have some idea of, you know, what your shopping budget is looking, looking like, because that's all good information. Uh, and you, life might be so comfortable for you that you don't, those issues, those relevant aren't, relevant to you but they certainly be relevant to the people around you and the community and indeed if you're a property owner your tenants for example um so the first thing is you've got to manage the process of at least standing still so standing still is that you give yourself uh, a above inflation or at least inflation pay rise every year so that's the minimum available uh, activity that you've got to do and you know if you're your own boss then you know you've got you've got the worst boss in the world. I think that's pretty well understood in entrepreneurial circles, isn't it? But you know you've got to be, you, so you've got to build that in for your future planning. So when you're looking far far ahead, you're looking at the next twelve months. We do need to be factoring in um, how can we ideally manage or reduce our lifestyle costs, and that might be also beneficial for the planet. Who knows? Um, and then how can we make sure that we're increasing what we pay ourselves from our businesses at an above inflation rate? So our standard of living is compounding in an upward direction as well. And I, and we obviously talk about that in monetary terms, I suppose, as you've alluded to, I would also take a more holistic approach and say, are you compounding as a lifestyle choice uh, in, an up, in a more positive direction? How that translates into, into the real world? So given the uh, title of this podcast uh, um, and how we've met each other through the industry you would assume that many of the listers own property or aspire to own, own property so um, you know there is no doubt that property you know it it's one of the absolute core assets that has always um, always beaten inflation or nearly always beaten inflation there are some problems and I'm going to be really upfront with what the problems are going to be let's not lie about that you know let's be really totally upfront of that but you if you read about any of the great families who have survived you know that and they've created gener generational wealth and they have survived some of the worst human conflicts on the planet it largely dist distills down to real estate gold diamonds because they're so easily transportable and artwork you know, those are the, when you're looking at true generational wealth, like that's how it's been transmitted. Now, obviously, we live in this new and exciting world and and um, those that are engaged in innovation would say also, you know, Bitcoin and perhaps other digital assets might now form part of that piece and they might, might well be right. There's no doubt about that. Um, so investing in property is obviously a very, very positive pos positive step if done, if done well. Um, I suppose let's get the bad news out of the way 
one of the many mechanisms and levers to contain uh, uh, inflation is interest rates. And you would anticipate um, interest rates being normalized, so returning to five, six percent. Uh, and this this may not age well, okay. And if it doesn't age well, I can I can be quite you know I'm happy to take the feedback. But I do not see interest rates normaling to five or six percent. Uh, certainly in the short term, I would say that that would immediately trigger the insolvency of most of the UK. And I'm talking now about normal households with you know who con- you know contributing ably to society they they are not going to sustain interest rate rises of that kind Uh, and also i don't think the government can but we'll leave that as an aside what do you think uh what does short term mean to you so well certainly in the next 12 months i think you know potentially the bank of england is going to have to be seen to do something and i use those words intentionally they need to signal that they see inflation and that they're going to address it but i think we're going to see very very incremental rises and I think they're, they're going to be spread out over time. Now, I might be wrong, but that's my feeling on it. So that's obviously one of the warning things we need to address. I think the other one, uh, which I'm not going to be popular for raising, and I think it's that risk assessment thing is how, how likely is it going to happen? And if it happens, how awful is it going to be uh, to simplify the, uh, the risk assessment model um, is what historically has happened in high inflationary environments in the property sector is rent control. And you might say to me, Paul, what on earth are you talking about? I would then urge anybody to go back to the uh, manifesto pledges of all of the main of all of the political parties who put themselves forward at the last election, and you will notice a theme. And that theme, particularly sort of, you know, on the on the on the left, um, and I make no criticism of this. You know, it, you read those manifestos, you see what they say. Nearly all of them refer to rent controls. And um, what uh, even Sadiq, uh, you know, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, he has uh, discussed rent controls as well. And you can understand why you look at the rental, um, you, you look at the cost of rents in London and you think about the voting demographic and you think that they have children and those children need to find housing. You, you can understand why he's going down that path because. Um, he is, he is addressing a need that, that um, needs thinking about, doesn't it? Um, we have a terrible undersupply of uh, accommodation in the UK. Uh, is the answer that the planning system needs completely, re, uh, you know, not fit for purpose? Does it need complete reform? Who knows? Um, all of my architect friends tell me that's the case. They say these people don't care whether we have any more houses or not. It's impossible get to, get to get transactions completed. My clients are losing projects because these people aren't moving and, and they're not moving because they have no interest in it moving. But yeah, so rent, rent controls, look at what what all the what many of the ma- major parties are talking about. It's in there. Do I think it's going to happen? I do not think it's going to happen in the short, short term. If it happens anywhere, it will happen in London first. And we can all wa- watch and see, see what happens. Um, there will be people who are listening to podcasts who think rent controls are a fantastic idea. Uh, and they might be right. Uh, I think where we've seen rent controls not work so well is when they've been so punitive that those people who are asset owners can no longer sustain the viability of their assets. So they they are forced to stop doing maintenance. Uh, and then 
that can lead to a cascade where people are exiting too quickly in an area from a market. There are not enough buyers to pick up the slack. And then the people who've worked hard all of their lives to own an asset, uh, you know, which they live in with their family, are seeing their their value depreciating. So and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that because they're trying to leave a legacy for their families. So rent controls, you know, doomsday, that could be it. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But let's keep an eye. Let's keep on, an eye on London. Let's see how that progresses over the years. As I say, don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. May not happen ever. We'll see. Okay. So that's kind of, uh, you, you know, you're talking about the, how, um, the macro there is, is affecting people and things to keep an eye out for um, and things people can do in terms of like reducing their costs, for example, and investing in property. Uh, but investing in property is that's quite a broad term, right? Um, yeah. There's many ways to do that. So what do you see as the trends for um, investing in property to combat, you know, inflation or uh, so that people can help themselves on this journey um so the trends this year and then moving into next year then yeah so i think well the trends we've seen this year is that we have seen the um we have seen the creative destruction of covid so we've seen good businesses not progress and that and that's it so and and they're in a range of different aspects across the property space so i suppose looking forward we can pick up some of those those themes so we all know that the these um service accommodation market is now a truly mature market. People, practitioners that have been in the game for you know decades will tell us it's always been here, Paul. But like, like it's a truly, truly mature and, and developed market now. And um, and what what lessons can we take from what we've seen? Uh, occupancy is absolutely the absolutely crucial key. And people who have exited the SA market going into this forthcoming year, the reason they've done that is because actually, do you know what? When I factor in all of the variables, I've actually made more, you know, just having a really good, solid single let, sitting back and letting the process take care of itself. So maybe that's a lesson for, for all of us is, you know, SA works um, in fantastic locations or if you've got like a really smart niche, in which case perhaps keep it to yourself, um, you know, then it can it can work. Um, what what has been out an, an absolute like outperformer um, and I think is here to stay is within service accommodation, the holiday let niche. Um, so I know many of us are absolutely chomping to bits to get back on a flight, to go around the world, because travel, you know, many, for many of us traveling is our thing. Um, I can tell you a huge proportion of the UK are never getting back onto a flight. You know, they're just done with it. And also the way we live has changed as well. So, um, you, know, it's, I, you know, I think family units join together to go on holidays in the UK and a whole that whole staycation market is here to stay and um, that's not free from its difficulties I I, I think um, what lessons could could us, some of us property investors learn uh, probably don't post exactly how much you're charging for a week uh, in your 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 Scottish holiday lodge um, because it's going to wind up your friends um, but you know let's, again let's leave that to as an aside but the staycation is definitely going to stay and obviously, you know, when people publish these headline numbers, the problem is there's no context. Like if you're providing, you know, an absolutely grade A service and you've got a million different moving parts, you have to finance that through a high ticket price. But you're 
the external observer, observer doesn't know that and it winds them up and the rest of it. Um, so definitely staycations here to stay, big growth area. Where are going to be the challenges there? There is a, um, there has always been a negative sentiment towards second home ownership in certain parts of the UK. For as long as I can remember, that's the case. And there are, I'm not going to go into the specific examples because I don't want to be unfair about those areas, but there are specific places, the pockets, where second home ownership has always been uh, understandably uh, a subject of much, much frustration. Um, you know, because people's kids can't move into the same village and it's really upsetting. Um, and I, you know, I, I think we can all resonate with that, even if we are second home owners. So staycations are here to stay. Um, and, you know, it's going to be good business, big business, I think done well. Uh, that's, that, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Um, one of the areas, the sources of frustration is, is obviously the, the media narrative around that. So I think we, we need to brace ourselves for further headline grabbing stories about people not being able to buy homes in the locality, not being able to rent in their locality. Uh, uh, and these are very real issues. We have to face up to them. We have to take responsibility for them. Um, you know, but you, you and I, Michelle, we've been around long enough to know, well, why, why are people repurposing their, their, their buy-to-lets through to being um, holiday homes? One, because the regime under which landlords operate in terms of the uh, AST system and the ability to, um, you know, with deep regret, have to make, uh, to give notice to tenants who are behaving in a way that isn't consistent with their obligations. You know, that regime is very much stacked against landlords and that is the direction of travel. That is not going to, the wind is not going to turn, the sales are not going in the opposite direction. So landlords are really, they've been put in a very difficult position where they're, you know, I want to let to this, these people, but I know that I really now will struggle to evict them in the future because that's where's, where we're going. And also, of course, the tax changes. You know, uh, we have lost um, interest, the, the tax relief on our interest, if we have the properties in our own names. And so landlords, particularly those with quite a lot of leverage or who have other income, and, um, you know, the high rate taxpayers, they've had to, on the advice of their accountants, repurpose their portfolios. So um, holiday lets are here to stay, probably going to get some negative headwinds. But, you know, it, it would be great if the industry could direct those ne negative head headwinds back to the government that created them uh, and, uh, and ask them to look at um, how they're intervening in the property industry, because every intervention they make has a negative con consequence, not just for the property people, but for everybody else. Um, wh what are some of the other big winners? Uh, biggest win winner for the last 24 months, logistical space. So I know people in, in the logistical space who own warehouses, every day is Christmas for them. Since, since Brexit, um, the last mile logistical space market has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you hear people talk, you know, they've got massive portfolios and they say that the only part of their portfolio that's never created any arrears is their logistic warehouses. So there you go. So there, those are a few little predictions for you. I think um, the, the classic buy to let here to stay, like they're the bread and butter of a decent portfolio. HMOs, of course, they're here to stay, but um, I don't want to open too much of a can of worms. But we've got challenges around council tax. We've got challenges around energy. Um, 
it's not for the faint-hearted. Proceed. Of course, it's a they're great assets, but you know, proceed with knowledge, care, and skill. I would say. And how do you see that? You know, with the property market changing and the prices increasing for um, the values, and the, um, are people just purely forced to change their expectations? You know, what they were getting two years ago. Well, tough. They're just not going to get that now. So you just got to take what you can get. Or do you think um, there is a trend of people becoming more creative and, you know, looking for other ways to add value? Um, You know, obviously there's the airspace as one example of uh, changing trends in in planning to allow that. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering, obviously, just the, uh, the standard investor who isn't aware of all these other creative strategies that you can use um, is going to be limited naturally to, to what's there, but for everybody else where there's purchase lease options on the table or rent to rent or, um, you know, planning gain of some sort. And are there any other trends there that you can see? I think that's a very, very personal question, isn't it? Uh, In terms of, it it depends, uh, you know, what's the first step is to know ourselves. And I think it's a very, very personal, a personal thing. So I think, you know, I was speaking to somebody in a, a meeting fairly recently and, you know, they're very well capitalized. They've got a full time job. They've not got a massive amount of headspace. The answer to them is to go out, buy some, buy some nice property. Don't take on too much. Don't take on too much of a big refurb because they can wait for one and two decades to see a return on their capital and they have no immediate need for the for the full cash flow. So I think if that's you, then, you know, you just do it the traditional way. I think if you are more creative, uh, I think you've got time in your hands, you're resilient. And by specifically, what I mean by that is you're able to deal with stress and, uh, you know, uh, disappointment and all of those things. If you're very resilient, then I think the creative strategies, um, you know, could be an avenue for you. Um, And there's a time and a place in everybody's progression for that. So I think if you're reasonably early in the cycle, you might have more appetite for that. I think maybe if you get later in the cycle um, and your appetite to risk maybe diminishes, I suppose I'm speaking personally here, you know, as your appetite for risk diminishes and you have interest in other things, you maybe, maybe that wouldn't be the route you would, you would pick. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we know that they are strategies, which um, if done well, you know, definitely work. Yeah, it's a good point about where you are in your journey and and what resources you've got available to you as well. So like moving on to looking forward to the new year then and, um, you know, at any point in in anyone's uh, journey or life, then there's that kind of period of assessment of, you know, am I on track? Where am I going with all of this? You know, people listening to these podcasts for a reason because they want to. Uh, they want to do something different otherwise you know they wouldn't be listening to them probably Um, so how do you see I know you've got your own um, uh, mentorship group as well and and when you coach people how do you help them through that stage because for a lot of people they see all of the options and gosh before it was you know bad enough you've got so many different options now there are more challenges with those options where you know the buy refurbish refinance you know, really hard to kind of get one of those deals now. Um, so you've got the opportunities like service accommodation, but as we've discussed, they come with their own costs and not just financial as well. Um, 
and there's you know there's, there's lots of elements going on so how do people decide what their next stage is going to be so i'm definitely wanting to that's a great question and i think that it's a really necessary step and i think it's one that's really deeply overlooked and i think we all need to take stock from time to time and obviously at the recording point of recording this is that kind of um we're in the winter and, and we're thinking ahead to the new year but i think also really whenever you're listening to this the what is the truth the truth is that at any moment in our time we can we can completely reinvent ourselves as as we wish and you know if you don't believe me i guarantee there is somebody in your life who one day woke up and you saw them and they had new hair new clothes doing new things and and you wondered what has happened there and it's and it's great to see you know and and so we can all do that you know we can all really uh, be kind of uh, re reinvent ourselves at any point you don't have to wait for the you know, the calendar to be in the right place. Um, so I think you also have to face another, I, a, a universal, well, I think it's a universal truth, but, you know, no doubt it's just a, one of my many beliefs, uh, is that for people listening to this podcast, and I think everybody, um, is it's not a lack of opportunity. I think the challenge is that the world is too abundant with opportunity but we are so preoccupied with our daily lives and we have so much information coming towards us that it's very diff difficult to separate out signal from noise. Uh, and that's what I would encourage people to do is to find the signal. I'll perhaps go into that in a bit more detail in a moment. Now, how do you do that? Um, I think I, what I always do now, now um, is I always strip it back to as far back as the original source as I can meaningly find. So for example, you've got the late, great Jim Rowan, who, uh, you know, he's just one of the greatest um, people that has ever entered my life through his work. And he very famously has this quote about, you know, um, we have to design our lives. And if you don't design your life, somebody else will design it for you. And guess what? They don't have much planned for you. And that's definitely true. And I say that without any criticism to my you know, former employers who I have great love and affection for. But, you know, when you're in a profession like I was in the law, you know, you're on a, a certain trajectory uh, and um, you, it takes quite a lot of resolution to get off that train. Um, but, you know, what have they got planned for you? They've got many, many chargeable hours in the office planned for you because that's how how, how it works. Um, and then I think you can probably the resource I could offer people in this respect is this book here. Um, so this is an annual reading. So John C. Maxwell, the 15 invaluable laws of growth. John C. Maxwell, the 15 invaluable laws of growth. This is an annual read. So every year you can dip back into it. Um, and then what's the interesting bit is, is chapter seven. So it's just headed the law of design. And um, particularly if you're lost, you're rudderless, that, cha that, cha that chapter will change your life. And you if you happen to have a family, change your family's life immeasurably. Um, uh, and I'll keep this brief. But basically, well, he, he, it comes in two different st stages. It's, uh, it comes in two stages, and I'll give you the practical bit, very practical bit at the end. He asks you just to sit down and reflect. And to look back over the last, let's say, 24 months um, and think about what, what you've learned, 
you know, what have you learned? And you just kind of write a page of stuff about your learned. These are his instructions. These are not mine. These are his instructions. And then what he urges you to do is to get your calendar out and look at every single thing you've been through the last 12 months and decide how you feel about it. Do you want to do less of it? Do you want to do more of it? Do you want to keep it in your, in your life? And the key is you ask your whole family to do this at the same time. And there is a particular window of between Christmas and New Year where this you'll get a lot more engagement in the rest of the year. But you can probably do this on a summer holiday as well. And you get people to be really serious about it. You, like, you know, you've got there is times in your life you do have to wake up and get serious about this stuff, don't you? And so you have to kind of get them to do it. And everybody wants to know what's in it for them. And so what's in it for them is then we'll meet around the dining room table when everybody's done it. And we will construct the next year in accordance with everybody's wishes. Now, little tip, I would do this in two stages, right? So the first stage, you just let people absolutely download everything they want. Do not, I have tried this and failed. Do not at that point, try to prioritize because people's hackles get up pretty quickly because you, you know, your daughter wants to do one thing and your wife wants to do the opposite or you know, whatever the context of your life is. So just listen in the first meeting. The second meeting, when people have had a bit of time just to get used to the ideas, because they would have heard stuff they don't want to do as well. Um, uh, that's when you then move on to the practical exercise, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, what I would just forewarn you of is you're going to hear stuff you don't want to know. So, for example, I love my surfing and I want my daughter to learn my surfing. And this year I had, you know, I had the conversation in the dad. I don't love the surfing as much as you love the surfing. Like, what do you mean you don't love the surfing? But <clears throat> what I learned was that she really loves paddleboarding. So I want to spend good quality daddy-daughter time with her. So I have to step into her world. Her world is she wants to paddleboard. She doesn't like the surfing as much because it's pretty intense. So problem solved, all good. How we do this in practice, though, you may need an aid. So you might need to go onto Amazon and to get a year planner. Now, you can get a little baby year planner. So I appreciate the podcast, you're not going to see this, but I've got a little baby year planner here. But also you need a big beast as well. You need like the biggest one that you can foreseeably fit into your office or your house or kitchen, whatever it is. And then if you've got kids, um, put the school holidays in first. If you've, got, if you've not got kids, put the school holidays in first, because that way you never go on holiday surrounded by kids if that's not your thing, which, you know, it would be fair enough. And obviously holidays are cheaper. Put everybody's birthdays in. And then you put in like the must haves. So I, as you know, I'm a kind of failed musician. So I, I put in Glastonbury, I put the festivals in first and then you put in what's important to you. So I have certain events I do with my friends, uh, which are a bit first. and then you build it out from there. But you don't start with a blank piece of paper because you're starting with the output of the exercise of what people really want. And then you build it out from there. That's a bit of direction does that help michelle have i explained that in reasonably is that reasonably clear yeah absolutely yeah so it's um like, like the idea of the mayonnaise jar isn't it okay. yeah what's important focusing on those things first and uh, and i think you know what's really important is once you've done an exercise like that then it it helps so much to provide clarity on the other areas of your life like for example the property investing so you know if you you know you've decided that actually having the free time and the less stress is more important than the high cash flow well then that's going to influence you know what strategies you're looking at for the new year and I think that's one of the biggest 
issues that people I speak to I come across is that they are just so overwhelmed by all these things that they could do and part of the problem is they just don't know what they want yeah um so yeah absolutely helping with that is um it's a good opportunity with the festive season coming up for sure but I do think you do any at any point as well like I think it's good to do just just whenever and as part of the if to put it in the context of property you can then drill down into well what, what is it you need next so if you um need to replace your job you will approach it in a you know, you'll nail down on cash flow if at this point listen to the podcast you say well actually to be honest my cash flow is pretty good well what is it that's left in your life so let's say for example you wanted to build your own dream home well then you maybe need to do a strategy that will create a big lump of capital at the end of the year that you can put into your dream home or maybe it's I've done all of that Paul I've got you know that's not on my list it's the well what well, is it is there a legacy project that you might want to do is there a project where you know you do the project and all the proceeds go to somebody else or you know are you planting you know that's a lovely expression isn't it you're planting seeds uh, seeds of trees that you'll never sit under you know so whatever stage you're at th- there's the opportunity to reflect and then drill down even if it's just for a year into actually what you need to do yeah there's uh, just making sure that you're on track at each point because like I say you know life changes um things change in the property market that you're not in control of as well so it's uh you know the the, I think more opportunities you can take throughout the year to actually have that reflection time. Definitely. I think. Right. I think. I think if you if you need like um, I I sometimes hesitate to mention this, but like if you need like the punchy version, uh, there are things you can do to focus your mind. And I don't. Not everybody will need this. So if you're reasonably self motivated, you won't need this. But if you if you know you're one of those people who are slightly struggling to get re engaged and re motivated with everything that you're doing, you know there are there are some difficult there are some you can look at things and the way you can look at it is if you're blessed still to have one or more parents who are still alive you know write that write write that age down on a piece of paper and then plan forward from there if you're blessed to to have a child you know write their age down and then plan forward from from there um and uh you know we you know we all know uh you know we've all lost people over the years but I often find that that's a motivating factor as well like we you know Michelle and I lost a mutual friend not so many years ago and there's nothing more uh that focuses the mind than that and uh, I'm sorry to bring that up but but if you're struggling for motivation sometimes you do need a metaphorical punch in the face to kind of bring you into reality and if and if that's helped hopefully it has because we haven't got many more, more rotations of the sun it is time to really get down to what you want. And by that, I don't mean let's do more work. I mean, let's be more fulfilled, purpose and connected. Yeah, let's just remember like what we're doing it all for. Yeah. And as I said before, you know, it's all about bringing that, um, you know, the reality home and making it real just so that, you know, we're not caught up in the day to day. So, um, yeah, well, that is probably a good place to wrap things up but uh before we go tell us about you know what you're up to next and um you know how you support people with i know you've got your discovery day coming up soon in january so uh, what's that all about so every january i host the say the same event it's in january usually the first week of january so if you happen to be listening to this ahead of the next one the date is the 7th of january 2022 but i host them every you know so if you listen to this in 2030 they'll still be going going on and um, it's a not-for-profit event so um on this in this particular instance it's um 
all of the proceeds are going to a, a, a charity called Flourishing Families, which is all about supporting the family, which uh, I know we've all had our own experiences of families and they're unique creatures, aren't they? But, you know, uh, families are so crucial to everything that happens around, around us. So they're getting all of the proceeds. And basically we lock in for about two to three hours and we really get down, we do a series of exercises, basically back to back, and we get really clear about what the next 12 months looks like. And there's no great pitch. There's no running to the back of the room. There's none of that. I do share as I go along what my inner circle group have been doing and you know, the challenges and successes they've had. But really, anybody can attend. It, it works really well for property people. I would say 80% of people come are like property people. But equally, anybody who's got you know an interest in investing in themselves and assets and particularly I suppose if 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 people are seeking out so my highest value is value is freedom um so uh, freedom family and security all underlined by wealth you know I think if the, if if you if freedom is a relevant factor for you um you you will get so much out of it um I'll ping a link over to Michelle so they're an, an, an event where else can you find me obviously you can find me on Facebook LinkedIn LinkedIn Instagram so it's Paul Lanfear L-A-N-F-E-A-R um the branding's all blue uh, and uh, you'll, yeah, you'll easily find me and you'll find links to all my stuff in all of that. I also happen to host um, a breakfast meeting and um, that's really good, really light touch, small group of uh, property and other investors. And uh, we meet, meet every month, month. You're welcome just to drop into that uh, whenever you like and come and meet, meet the crowd and have a great, uh, you know, um, you know talk about a problem or challenge or opportunity in the property space so that's 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 kind of me and we'll make sure some of that goes into the show notes as well. absolutely yeah we'll put those links in there for people and encourage people to uh to go along and check that out because it's just you know especially at that particular time of year if you're looking to be surrounded by like-minded people uh, it's a, an opportunity to set yourself up in the year for um to, you know just getting clear on uh, on what it is you are focusing on for the rest of the 12 months so uh, do check that out and uh, we look forward to seeing what you're up to in 2022 and see what's what unfolds for us all exactly we can see we can see how right or wrong i was we can gaze into our crystal balls again can't we absolutely yeah. uh, great well it's fantastic to have you on paul and uh, thank you for your time thank you michelle it's been awesome thank you take care and for any of our listeners who are not yet a subscriber to the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free first trial. See you later, guys. Take care.